Blog Talk Radio. This is the Monday Rocks Hot Topics DJ Culture and Nightlife Podcast. Um, I'm pop art painter Jimmy Rocks, and my co-host, the lovely DJ Miss Monday, joins us live from LA. Miss Monday, how are you? Well, hello. Oh my gosh, I am fantastic. Thank you so much. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing great. Doing great. Got, got it. Man, I, I tell you, I got a. Um, you know, I stopped wearing the mask going out, and uh, about, oh, I don't know, two weeks ago now, I got the worst flu of my life. I was uh, I was thinking it was the end, man, there for about, I was sick as a dog, never been sicker for about a week, and uh, oh, man, no. that was not fun. That was not fun at all. Was it, was, um, was it COVID, or was oh, it something just a regular? No, 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 it was just a regular flu. I, uh, I took COVID tests, they all, everyone was negative, and uh, finally the doctors were, were like, yeah, you got the flu, buddy, you got the flu. A friend of mine asked me, they said, what's it like, a bad cold? And I said, no, no, not at all. It was like the third wave of withdrawal in an opium den in Calcutta. It was bad. <laughs> Oh, man, you had the chills and all kinds of stuff. Uh, all that. Yeah, man, it was the chills and then the feet and, you know, stay out of the bathroom and getting sick. And it was just, oh, I'm telling you, wow. I ate, only thing I got pulled down for the entire week were those, you know, those little packs of instant oatmeal and those little, uh, my wife gets me those little uh, jello cup things. I would have mm-hmm. one of each of those a day and that was it. A water, a lot of water. Okay, that's good. Well, I'm so, so glad you're back. Good for my girlish physique, but uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. I've yeah. I've been I've been better for a week. That was the strangest thing. It was like a cloud passing. I, uh, you know, it came on super quick too. Within like an hour. Um, same thing when I got over it. Within an, I mean, I'm feeling terrible, terrible, like the bottom of a cab, just terrible. And an hour later, I'm fine. It was the weirdest thing. Oh my God. Weird. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was a week period between those two events, but, but right. um, I'm over that and uh, raring to right. go, been listening and watching. For those who don't know, and folks, we have links up on our show page. Miss Monday has the coolest Insta- Instagram page, I think, on Instagram. It, it's one of my favorites. And, um, you know, you've been busy. You're a busy lady. New house mm-hmm. DJ residency on Sunday nights, I saw. All kinds of stuff happens. Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. Saturday. I'm sorry. Saturday. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 been really a, a good last month for me. I got to play at Academy in Los Angeles for the first time during. I happened to be on the same night as the Desert Hearts 10 year anniversary party. I played up at the loft upstairs. So Academy is uh, one of the highly acclaimed clubs here in Los Angeles. It's actually in Hollywood. So, uh, nice. but aside from that, nice. I, 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 you know, I was just at the Viper Room last Thursday. But yeah, I do have a new residency that I am super excited about. Uh, my roommate went up there with me last weekend, and she said, 
Kara, if there's one thing that is is perfect for you, this is the spot. It's a French Riviera themed restaurant. The decor, you feel like you're on the Mediterranean. It's right in, nice. it's facing the ocean in, in Santa Monica. And wow. they want up, upbeat, uh, house music, funky house, disco house during the dining time. And it's not like if right. they go after dining, they just want the evening dining to be that kind of a vibe. So the, the spot's called Lulu's. They opened up just about a month ago. And I've been there. Uh, after the first weekend, they asked me to come back every Saturday, and I could be the Saturday wow. evening DJ every week. Well, that's amazing. That's amazing. And I loved, I have to tell you, I just have to interject, I love, love, loved your Moulin Rouge outfit. Whoa. Uh, I know uh, DJ Miss Monday had that type of clothing in her, in her closet. But, man, she looked great. She looked great. <laughs> oh, well, you. Yeah, I, I could think I got styled that night. So I got a phone call to go to the Moulin Rouge event. Uh, um, a gentleman, this guy Dave, had had tickets, and he the day the day before the girl uh, Marika, who actually styled me, she okay. called me and asked me if I could go, but only under one circumstance that we all had to dress in themes. So. I said, oh, done. They, she said, don't worry, we'll have stuff for you to wear. Just bring some uh, some fishnets or something that you might be able to go in theme with the outfits. But right. so I had at, at the house where we got and ready. And a long this way. Has a, <laughs> yeah, the, the house where we got ready actually has like a like a um, room that's all wardrobe. So they had they could pull different like, corsets and things. So we tried a few different things on, and and uh, Marika had brought over the the bottom uh, piece that wraps around like kind of like the tail of the outfit, and mm. that was what really set it off. But yeah, it was it was really cool to get dressed, and they had oh, yeah. a makeup artist there and everything, just to get ready to go to the oh. show for Moulin Rouge. Man, that's a man. That's movie star life. That's the movie star line. You're living it. How cool is mm-hmm. that? How cool is yeah, that? Pretty fantastic. So you've been playing a lot. You've been doing a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the coolest things, one of the coolest things I, I saw, well, there's so many. Like I said, you and folks, uh, Miss Monday, on our, like I said, on her Instagram page, posts all kinds of videos of her playing places and, and all kinds of really cool stuff. It's really an interesting Instagram account. I really suggest you get over there and like and share it. It's um, There's a link right here. And these links stay active. So if you're listening to the podcast in the future, um, just click on the link right there. It's right there in front of you, man. Um, and it'll get you there, and you can add her. Um, one of the coolest things was this immersive experience um, – wisdom you were at the daft punk thing mm-hmm. how cool is that i was so jealous yeah so yeah our, our guest our guest this evening um sean ahern is the one of the founders slash partners of this wisdom la and uh, they have they're expanding and he could tell us about all of all the things they've got going on when we get on with him this evening but so he invited me down because they were doing a, an immersive experience for Daft Punk. So the show was were were people dressed like Daft Punk that were playing Daft Punk songs that were rewritten to 
do a live performance with all the lighting and, and the whole experience of in a dome. So Sean had invited me down and I brought my friend Eleanor with me and we got to experience this whole, you're standing in, in, amongst the visuals and the lighting and, and you really, it's out of this world. And so, yeah, our guest this evening, Sean is going to be the one who, uh, who, who we could learn more about this experience, but yeah, it if you go to my amazing. Instagram at, at DJ, at DJ Miss Monday, you can see some of the video footage. I was trying to capture a little bit of the essence of what it is actually like being in that element, but it, it's always much better to just be there. So. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, it looked like you were inside a music video. I mean, like a, this giant dome bubble thing. It, it was. I've, I've never seen and you know me I'm an old retired club rat I've seen it all I've been everywhere no I have not because this was totally brand new yeah I mean it was like you were at a club at an IMAX theater all in one you know it was just crazy crazy and the guys were up on the pedestal you know playing the daft they look like that I was blown away Blown away. My mind yeah. was blown. Uh, I can only <laughs> and, uh, imagine. They, there was also there was a live violinist too that was a com- accompanying the uh, the Daft Punk impersonators that were performing wow. live. So it was just a whole like, <laughs> theatrical musical show plus visuals. And now, folks, a couple quick messages from some of our show sponsors. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the rest of the interview after these quick messages. Listen to this cool episode ad-free. If you're a VIP member, you can become one on my website, www.jamierocks.us, www.jamierox.us. Hey, rockers. This is Stacey Lane Wilson, author and editor of the Rock and Roll Nightmares book series. I have a new podcast that features interviews with musicians, artists, authors, filmmakers, and music historians. In season one, I interview Phil Toussaint from Ozzy Osbourne's band, Scott Crawford, the director of the Cream Magazine documentary, Lisa S. Johnson, the award-winning author and photographer of the books 108 Rockstar Guitars and Immortal Axes, just to name a few. The Rock and Roll Nightmares podcast explores the dark and mysterious and sometimes funny side of music from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and beyond. Enjoy on RSS or anywhere you like to listen to podcasts. Glittering amethyst, energizing citrine, colorful fluorite, the other side of the sun, Earth's treasures brought to light. Since 1999, we have offered a unique collection of hand-selected minerals and gems for every budget, for novices, collectors, and healers. Visit www.tosots.com to view our wide selection of offerings and use coupon code ROCKS, that's R-O-X-X, for 10% off your first order. Remember... T-O-S-O-T-S dot com. 
Earth's treasures brought to light. Hi folks, Jamie Rocks here. Hey, if you're a big fan of uh, historical, cool historical books uh, like me, then you're going to want to check out our newest uh, show sponsor, Michelle Albion. Uh, fantastic author. She's got some really interesting, cool books out uh, that you're going to want to check out. I'm a big fan of all of these. Uh, the Florida Life of Thomas Edison, The Quotable Edison, Quotable Henry Ford, uh, Quotable Eleanor Roosevelt, and of course, The Quotable Amelia Earhart. Uh, Michelle's just very keen and, and very, very cool. Um, and these are just very cool books. So check out her website. Uh, there's links to uh, where you can pick these up on Amazon and Barnes & Noble all over the place. Uh, MichelleAlbion.com, M-I-C-H-E-L-E-A. L-B-I-O-N.com, MichelleAubion.com. Very, very cool stuff. Check it out, folks. Um, but, yeah, like, without further ado, let's get Sean on the phone here with us and uh, talk to him about this amazing Wisdom LA and, and uh, what other wisdoms they have in the works and what else they got going on. Absolutely, absolutely. I am smiling and dialing right now as we speak. Here he is. Hey. Here he is. Hi. Our featured guest. You didn't hey, guys. Me. How's it going? Hey. Good to have you on this evening. Yeah, good to be here. Um, I'm calling. I'm in Venice, California. Here doing my thing. Nice. Crazy music business day, but I'm uh, locking the door so nobody will come in my office. And we can uh, have a chat. <laughs> no interruptions. Yeah. No interruptions, please. It's serious show business. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling oh, you, been, Sean, nice to meet thing. you. Yeah. Um, I was just talking to Miss Monday. I, all I'd seen, and I'm an old retired club rat. I thought I'd seen it all and thought, yeah. you know, I was very cool and everything. Then I saw the video she posted of uh, your death punk experience that she was at. My mind was yes. blown blown away yeah it's what well, oh, cool it should be that's a good sign there's nothing i've been doing this since 1982 and there's nothing like it i'm telling you i'm in south i'm in south florida and i wanted to jump on a plane just to go to your event i'm like this is the coolest thing i've ever seen in my life amazing it is you should you should do that and we'll gladly have you out here whenever you want you get a free ticket <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you. Not necessary, but I really appreciate it. Sean, welcome to the show, and we are excited to have you on this evening so we can learn all about your wisdom, your concepts. You're one of the partners, but you were also one of the masterminds behind the concept of wisdom. So why don't that you is true. tell us a little bit about how this emerged and how you got involved. Where did the ideas come from? How did you learn how to even do this sort of thing? Sure. Do you guys, and again, you want the, the, uh, the filtered or unfiltered truth. <laughs> <laughs> we you're, love you're unfiltered for it. Okay. So this is a podcast. <laughs> so, um, and a lot of the names, the names will not be changed and there are, there are no innocent. So I'll go ahead and just tell you how it all happened. And then, uh, you can tell me uh, if I'm, you know, getting into the uh, gray zone or whatever, but I don't mind. I'll tell you what, what, how it all happened, and you guys decide if your audience can handle it. <laughs> I'm sure that's true. Might be too late. I guess, is this live? <laughs> yeah. We're we right. are right now, yeah. Oh, great. Well, then never mind. We're just going to tell it as it is. If they don't hey. like it, they can, <laughs> they can tune us out. <laughs> Fast. How's that? All right. Okay. So. 
let's see, how long do we have and how many questions do you want? We'll put it in context. I'll know how to pace my answers because even that first question could eat up about 30 minutes. But I imagine you want the we clip We've got all notes. the time in the world. All the time. All right. Yeah, we have 45 minutes. Yeah, 45 minutes, great. Time. So I'll pace it. It's now 7.14. So the, the exciting crescendo conclusion will kick in about 7.59 California time. How's that? <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Fantastic. All right. So basically, the story runs something like this. Um, born and raised in Laguna Beach, Mar, California. Fell in love with music and pushing the envelope early on in my career, high school, college. Uh, Graduated high school, went to UCLA, and decided I would be a uh, – after a couple of years of that, I realized I wanted to go into the music and entertainment business. So I started helping out and booking shows uh, at UCLA and in and around Los Angeles and uh, quickly earned a reputation as a go-to guy who got it done. Um, I worked with initially – and this will all connect, so give me a couple of minutes. I'll connect how the hell you end up with a wisdom at Burning Man in 2022. But basically – and if I get off target, you can knock me back in line. But I ended up working with the world's most famous, amazing musicians who a lot of people didn't know by name, you know, home, you know, household names, but the musicians all knew who they were. So sure. I, worked with, I worked with a guy called Alan Holdsworth, a guitar player, considered the world's greatest guitarist until his passing about three or four years ago. You know, the, from everybody from Van Halen to Zappa to Metallica to whoever, if you ask them who's the greatest living guitar player, they'll tell you Alan Holdsworth. And then I ended up, from, from Alan, I parlayed it to working with a lot of my great classic rock heroes. I did a stint with uh, Black Sabbath. I actually lived with a drummer from Black Sabbath in Seal Beach, California, for a couple wow. of years. Uh, I lived and worked with Jack Bruce and Ginger Baker from Cream. And that ended up, and I lived and worked with uh, Roger Hodgson, the singer and founder of Supertramp. And then did stints oh, with wow. everybody from the Zappa Band to Alvin Lee, Eric Burden, all these classic rock guys. So I was only in my 20s at the time. And um, I kind of earned a reputation as a guy who could get stuff done because a lot of these guys were sort of burned out or their bands had broken up. This was like, you know, 80s and 90s. They were burned out. Bands had broken up. But I realized that they, you know, the, the, the great achievements they had had and that I helped resuscitate a lot of their careers, get the bands back together, get a record deal, get them money get the record labels oh, wow. to actually start paying them, get their ex-wives off their back, whatever the case happened to be. I was your fixer. So I was the, uh, the, the, young, the young rock and roll stud who would go in and fix everything so these guys could get their careers back, get off drugs, get sober, get high, whatever it is they needed to do. I would help them get their career, the career back together and start touring and making money again and all of that. So I did that for a long while. All the while, always pushing the envelope, like, how could I get these guys to do something slightly different than what they were known for, had already done? They weren't just, you know, retro club cruise line acts, right? So I was always pushing the envelope a little bit. Um, did that for a while, and then I decided I would form my own record label so that I could help these artists myself. So I formed a record label called Pangea Music, and we got a reputation as the cutting edge, kind of before there was the internet online and, and global fusion movement, I was kind of pushing towards that stuff. So I worked with a lot of bands like King Crimson and Genesis and these kind of guys, uh, Pink Floyd, bands that were known for being progressive, progressive rock, but maybe their their greatest days were behind them, but there was still a huge fan base for that. One thing about oh these bands is they're very, they're very um, story-driven. They had their, their albums were like, they had albums instead of songs, right? 
So their, sure. their music was very visual. And even, even a Supertramp or a Zappa, and then you go to a Pink Floyd or a Genesis, you can understand how it wasn't just about the single, it was about the story of the album. The album told the story. You could flip the vinyl over, you could play the whole CD. And it all kind of made a concept, concept album, you might say. So sure. getting, learning from the you know, superstars about what concept albums actually were was awkward at the time because they didn't have bit hit, uh, big hit singles like a lot of the you know, 90s and 2000s became about mm. the hit single thing. The hit single movement kind of left these guys sort of in the, you know, the dust or the closet. So every now and then one of them would break through, like a Steve Winwood would get through with like Higher Love, right? Or uh, Yes would get, would get through with um, Owner of a Lonely Heart. Like every now and then a song would kind of break through. But for the most part, younger generations didn't know who these bands were or what their legacy was. And they mm-hmm. kind of, you know, faded a little bit. And the 20s, the 2000s, they kind of faded out. And the record, the record thing kind of went funny. It all moved to the internet and singles and all that kind of stuff. And really the business just changed radically. So sure. that's the setup to, I had to reinvent myself. Being a traditional manager, agent, record label, just wasn't going to pay the bills anymore and do justice to the quality of the music that was out there. So I kind of, shifted into the festival business. So this is in the okay. early 2000s before there was a festival for every day of the week, right? There wasn't that many festivals. <laughs> Actually, a low point, low point of festivals was the early 2000s. They'd pretty much dried up. Um, everybody had pushed the business towards the big sheds and amphitheaters, the shorelines and the concords and the whatever we have here, the arena shows. Everybody had right. gone there. The festivals weren't really happening yet. Birdie Man was sort of just starting and Coachella was just starting and there really wasn't the festival scene that we knew of then. So I decided I'll go to the festival business because I see a, I see a future in festivals. And what I like about festivals is everybody calls you. Everybody wants to get in. You don't have to go hawking your demo tape or your album or your deal or whatever to somebody else. Everybody calls you because everybody wants to get in on a festival, and especially in the early 2000s. There weren't so many of them. So right. I started an event called the Harmony Festival uh, up in uh, Northern California. I gave it a remodel and a reband, and then I worked with Earth Dance Festival. So I started doing the prototype of Coachella, Burning Man, Lightning the Bottle, festivals you know and love today, Bonnaroo, Lollapalooza. I started all of that movement in the early 2000s with a, you know, it wasn't by any means, it was not just me. It was a lot of people, especially Northern California vibe. They still understood how to produce a great festival. They were kind of starting Burning Man. They, they knew how to, they had the lineage from the 60s and the 70s. They knew how to do festivals. I kind of came in and modernized these events. And we started doing, you know, medium scale. These weren't 100,000 people. These were 20,000 people, right? So we started doing medium yeah. scale festivals. But they had all the features that you would notice at a Lightning in a Bottle or a Lollapalooza or a Coachella now. You know, you had the, the music, multiple stages. You had female mm. empowerment stages. You had health stages. You had eco-sustainability, art stages, all those kind of things. We did all that in the early, early in, you know, 2000s. Kind of helped pioneer that brand. And we started utilizing domes because geodesic domes. Uh, credit them to Buckminster Fuller, that kind of crowd we started taking what was a dome and have, what had been used primarily as a planetarium. You've probably been mm-hmm. to a planetarium in your life. And what yeah. they say about planet, planetariums, you go twice in your life. You go once when you're a student 
as a kid, and then you go later as a parent with your kid, right? So right. it's kind of like there was, there was no reason to go to planetariums other than to see the star show as a student or a kid and go back again and take your kids, right? So I had this idea that there had been some success with this laser light show movement, which you might know a little bit about. They did Pink Floyd laser light show, Led Zeppelin right. laser yeah. light show. Lasers became all the rage in the late 90s, early 2000s. You could yeah. go to Griffith Observatory, like here in L.A., for example, and see the Pink Floyd laser light show. And that craze kind of swept the nation. And so I got this vision in the, you know, about seven, eight years ago. What if we took the dome and the laser light show but got it ready for live performance and the, the emerging VR, XR, metaverse thing? What if we put it all together and made a, a geodesic 360 projection dome like a planetarium on acid, but put a live band or live DJs inside, what would that look like? Wow. <laughs> so I'll, I'll pause there to see does that story make sense so far? Is that a, is that a decent? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay, oh, great. Cool. So there's That's the story, a, a little idea. bit of rock history. Yeah, a little bit of rock history, a little bit of lineage, and not too far off. You know, it's pretty clear. That's kind of how, how it all worked out. So like all good art, I, you borrow, imitate, copy, and improve, right? So, you know, yeah, Buckminster right. Fuller, uh, a famous guy called Buckminster Fuller kind of perfected the geodesic dome. It was all the rage in the 60s, right? Uh, Disney built Epcot Center based on geodesic domes. The World Expo, Montreal, 67, given my, my age away, but I was a, a young kid there, four or five years old. I remember the geodesic dome at the World Expo, Canada, 67. So this has all been happening in a while, but nobody had blended the live music and, and the virtual reality, XR, metaverse concept, keeping it organic and putting it where technology and human ingenuity all intersect. So I'll take credit as being kind of the first guy to really push that hard. The others had dabbled in it, but I did it professionally and commercially. And we tested it at none other than Burning Man. So what we did is we... <laughs> Moved, we moved the dome complex out to Burning Man, no easy task. We set up a bunch of domes, and I hired a, um, a famous DJ called Gowdy. He's a very world-renowned mm -hmm. kind of progressive dub DJ. We said, hey, let's do Pink Floyd with visuals. You remix the tracks and create some stuff. We'll test it at Burning Man and see if anybody cares. And <laughs> so we, we did it at Burning Man about 2017, I want to say. And it was a smash hit. People lined up for miles to get on in, and they loved the idea of live music, uh, cool visuals in a dome at Birdie Man. And, you know, I've been to Birdie Man 15 times, and the only thing I ever wait in line for is coffee and ice. And I figured it's in a shower. <laughs> I figured if somebody was willing to wait in line for hours to get into our domes, they must be, they must be a hit. So um, yeah. about that time, we got our first big commission, which was to um, – perform at uh, Coachella and Panorama Festival, Coachella being the West Coast version, Panorama being the New York version, and let's bring our big domes to Coachella and let's put, on a, let's put on a show for the people at Coachella and Panorama. So we got a big commission to do that. That sort of proved that our Birdie Man concept made sense. And by the way, our sponsor at Birdie Man was a guy called Guy La Liberté. Do either of you know who Guy is? I yeah, absolutely. Yeah, founder of Cirque du Soleil, right? So, oh, he, okay. he's, yeah, he's the guy that pioneered the circus tent, reinvented the circus tent, 
modernized it and made it into what is now Cirque du Soleil, a mobile, you know, a mobile caravan that could travel city to city. And uh, he became the world's first self-made billionaire artist off of his great idea of touring circus tents for Cirque du Soleil, a very cool, creative, progressive guy who's a, a friend and cohort of ours. He liked our dome thing. He said, your dome thing kind of reminds me of Cirque du Soleil, but, you know, uh, 20 years later on acid. And I'm like, yeah, it kind of <laughs> is, you know. So we made an alliance with Guy. He, he had his birthday party at Birdie Man. We set up our domes, and we tested all of our shows there. He got to DJ on Friday night for his birthday party, and it was a smash hit. Again, people nice. lined up for hours. Camp, camp was packed. So we knew we were on to something at that point. And so um, we took a trip to Ibiza to sit down with Guy and figure out, you know, how do you, how do you build a, you know, the dome pyre, you know? How do you make this happen? Right. He gave us some suggestions. We said, well, I guess sometimes you just got to do it yourself because others are slow to follow, right? So just as yeah. Guy had to take a great idea, reinvent it, and do it himself, we decided, you know what, we can, we can go around begging for money or we can talk to people who don't get it. We can be a one-off activation at Coachella, and then they pack us up and put us in a box and hire us again next year. Let's do this year-round. So we decided to roll the dice, and uh, we believe in our, in our vision and our skill set and believed in the domes and what we're doing. So we found a piece of property in downtown L.A., funny enough, where they used to host the Birdie Man decompression parties at. And we set up our dome park with a couple of partners of mine. We went for it with no money but our own and risking the dice completely. We stepped up to the table and bet all in black, rolled the dice and opened Wisdom in 2018. And that was a five geodesic domes interconnected with tunnels. And we booked none other than Pink Floyd for our opening night. And I'll be damned if it didn't sell out (laughs) in advance and out of nowhere it sold out and we realized – People like these domes, and we did some art exhibition uh, with an artist called Android Jones, a famous Birdie Man artist. So we set up an art exhibition with a live music dome, and we just went for it and started booking some of our favorite acts. You know, we did everything from the Beatles. We said, Beatles works. Well, maybe, maybe uh, sorry, Pink Floyd works, and maybe the Dead will work, and maybe the Beatles will work. And we started creating uh, virtual immersive reality Dead shows and Beatles shows, Jimi Hendrix, uh, P-Funk. Uh, we started adding all the all the EDM kind of you know progressive trancey DJs, uh, desert dwellers, mm-hmm. and we had um, we had uh, Dead Mouse come down and um, got trying to Dylan Francis and Tipper and so on and so forth. We started using their music or their or having them perform live, and everybody seemed to love that. And we started building a, a hit show. Our first year in business, we actually turned a profit. And which is hard to do in entertainment business at a new venue. We turned a profit our first year. Oh, yeah. 20, yeah, 20, and we were doing great shows. It became kind of like the Burning Man Camp Central for L.A., uh, all-ages venue that people really loved. We did our exhibitions. We started a- adding uh, ganja festivals and yoga classes and sound healings. And basically everything was ramping up until about March of 2020, and uh, I was actually in, in Dubai, March 2020, cutting the biggest dome deal of, of history. We were going to open the dome parks in all the capital cities of the Middle East, funded by the biggest media conglomerate in Saudi Arabia and Dubai. And I was there on about March 10th, 2020. And if you look at your calendar, you'll probably notice an interesting time frame around <laughs> March 10th of 2020. Um, yeah, exactly. yeah, a little thing called 
COVID-19 pandemic rolled into the universe. And uh, I went from a three-piece suit and tie shooting champagne bottles off the top of a skyscraper in Dubai as I was signing the $60 million contract to uh, running for my life 72 hours later, not knowing if I was going to die on an airplane getting back to America. And uh, against, yeah, against the advice of my family and everyone, I tried to stay a few extra days and get these dang contract signatures and this business plan together for this deal that I was assured was going to happen. And my travel agent told me otherwise and say, I I suggest you get on the next plane tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. or you're not going to get out of there. You're going to get stuck. And unfortunately, my partner and I didn't know how long, didn't know how deadly. I had heard ruminations that, you know, the shit was going down. So I had brought all my Burning Man gear with me, my gas mask, my headdress, my face mask, goggles, scarves, gloves. I had everything I had everything in my suitcase just just in case that shit happened. And when this when this went down, I literally went from a three-piece suit one night to my Burning Man gear the next night and got on a plane at 6 a.m. and ran for it. I had to go through uh, Dubai to Istanbul, which was a hotbed of COVID at the time, get on a plane and then sail to America and hope hope I didn't contract this rotten they let disease you and die yeah. on the way. Well, here's the funny thing. Here's I can – I won't get too political, but why not? Um, I was coming from the hot hotbed of pandemic. I, I left uh, mm-hmm. Dubai under dubious circumstance, the last commercial air flight out of the airspace. They, in fact, locked Dubai and Saudi airspace down the next day. I get into Istanbul, oh and nobody checked me for anything. I got on a plane. I sailed to U.S., walked, you know, flew into LAX, and... They said, hey, where you been? Oh, um, you know, just Dubai and Istanbul. Oh, great. Welcome to America. On in. And I'm like, you're not even going to, like, look at my eyes, check my nose, wow. have me cough, do anything, spit on a spit <laughs> on a napkin? Not a thing. They just walked me in to wow. welcome home. And I went, oh, my God. Well, that's I great. Mean, you, well, sort of. Your blood pressure <laughs> must have dropped about a million points. It's sort of great, but it's sort of not because I said, so effed up. If you're not checking me, I should be checked, like 100%. I'm confessing to you that I definitely should be checked. I just came from Saudi, uh, from Dubai and Istanbul, and they are shutting everything yeah. down, and they are checking everybody, and you really should be checking oh. me. But, of course, you know, I didn't volunteer to be checked, but nobody asked the question. and I went, oh, holy shit, we're in for trouble here. And uh, I will make mm. a political statement saying that's the most unprepared uh, bullshit I've ever seen in my life because they weren't doing nothing. And I remember that was about the time a certain president was saying, well, we've got this under control. There's a couple of cases that will be gone in a week. Well, no, <laughs> it's not. And whether you're a believer, denier, hoaxer, vaccinator, non-vaccinator, I don't know. But the fact they didn't check me means they got a serious problem on your hands. And that's exactly yeah. what happened. And Wisdom shut down one week later, and we're out of business for 18 months. And so the dream oh, went to – uh, I don't want to say nightmare, but it went pretty bad because we had invested all of our own cash, millions of dollars. Yeah, your money's in into, it. All money's in it. Everything's in it. And we had just decided, hey, we're doing pretty good. Let's let's not take our dividends. Let's not let's not take any payments. We had already worked yeah, a hundred years without a salary. Let's put it all back in again. So not only did I not get paid in 2019, I had just voted to forego my salary for 2020. 
thinking, well, we'll get a big payoff at the end of the year. It'll be worth it. And then all of a sudden, who would have known that we're totally locked down, no ticket sales, no fans, no love, no joy, no pay, no money, and I'm an independent contractor in an entrepreneurial business, I'm totally screwed. And that's basically what happened March through first couple months. Nobody knew what the hell was going to happen, and everything went shut down. Everybody went crazy, and everybody ran for the hills. So that was the – the good, the bad, and the ugly of how that all started, and that leaves us about, you know, COVID times. Um, anything you guys want to know from there? Is that a reasonable introduction to this saga? Well, oh, absolutely. I have just, the... Go ahead, Miss yeah, Monday. Go, go ahead. ahead, and then I have a quick question. Well, I just was, you go first. I mean, are you going to be able to revisit the 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 deals over in the Middle East? Uh, these guys are so open to it after things, you know, clear up. Yeah, great question. Uh, the, the answer is yes, sort of. Um, what happened, which is phenomenal and strange, is that we shut down, right? So basically 90% of the entertainment business is shut down, 95. There's right. one odd phenomena that managed to somehow stay open during COVID. It wasn't movie theaters. It wasn't concerts. It wasn't festivals. It wasn't domes. You guys know you do, do but I'm playing a game with you. What stayed open during COVID became a major hit in the, quote, entertainment field, kind of a new form of entertainment. You know, what it was two things. But there's one human-based and one online. But what do you guys think that was? Let us know. Let us know. Uh, okay. I don't know. I so the online point, no, no, not illegal parties. Those still didn't make any money. They kept people busy. But, you know, they were just more for right. fun and keep – okay. But the things that made money were – online metaverse streaming like Travis Scott and Marshmallow and all these guys started doing oh, online oh, yeah. VR concerts, right? Twitch and all that crap. They made yes, millions, yes. right? I okay. had a lot of friends who made really good money on Twitch. Really good money, okay? They, you could yeah. do streaming, online stuff. You could broadcast your concert. Some people managed. You could stay alive, right? Your fans would donate. You could do a, a living room concert or a remote concert or go to a desert island somewhere with no people around and film it. And that, that kind of, that side of the business kept growing. But one other amazing thing happened was this, the rise of the immersive experience and uh, exhibition. And the, the star of that was the immersive Van Gogh show. Vincent Van Gogh became a star. Oh yeah. 200 years, 200 years after his death or 150 years after his death. A uh, very strange phenomena, Vincent Van Gogh the pioneer of psychedelic everything, the pioneer of all modern art. In my view, there's Van Gogh and there's everybody else. When you look at the break to, to anything that we might recognize as modern, right, you have Vincent Van Gogh. And little would you know that Van Gogh, who couldn't sell a painting in his lifetime, is now one of the most highly prized artists in the history of the world, also became the biggest <laughs> selling of star immersive. of the pen because of the immersive exhibition Van Gogh. And yeah. did you guys hear of it or know of it at all? I'm sure some of your listeners. I oh, man. Yeah, man. Man, I got, I'm, yes. I'm a, that's what I do for a living. That's my day job is I'm a painter. And I'm telling you, I got so many, can you do it in the Van Gogh style? I'm like, well, yeah, if the check's big enough, I can pay whatever you want. But after that hit, that, I made money during the pandemic because of that. Just as a hanger-on, mm-hmm. not even intentionally. People were, that's what people really? were, were commissioning at the time. Yeah. That's what everybody saw. That's that. right. In all so, ages. In all ages. Old yep. people, young people, everybody. It was crazy. So this is a great, great thing in history. Vincent Van Gogh 
became a, the star he never was. His one painting was used as <laughs> a cat door, the one painting he ever sold. Uh, if not for the grace of his brother, he never would have been known. He became the biggest selling star 150 years later in the entertainment business. Amazing. And I know that there was actually four Vincent Van Gogh tours happening simultaneously by four different producers, all copying each other. And Vincent Van Gogh sold in America alone. You ready for this number? During the pandemic, or, you know, if you count just the lead into the pandemic, the pandemic and up to now, he sold about 10 million tickets in the U.S. at an average wow. price of $35. So 10, 10 million times 35. <laughs> Do the math. Oh, my gosh. That mm-hmm. is a lot of cash. So, well, that's a lot of cash. I'm, I'm a, now, there was just one. I was just asking my wife the other day. They're having one here in Miami, uh, the Sherlock Holmes immersive experience. I'm like, what the hell is that going to be like? You know? They're going to have every it, immersive so. experience. So how does this oh, all equate to yeah. well, By the way, Van Gogh grossed $350 million. What? That's about that's okay. about the price of, of his. He's doing all right. That's about Van Gogh. Well, here's the good news, or the bad news for Van Gogh. It's called Creative Commons. He, the Van Gogh estate earned oh, nothing. Oh, he's old enough. Right. Yeah, right. he's old enough now. It doesn't matter. But so Van Gogh earned 350 million during the pandemic. But what he did is both good and bad. So I'll connect. Since this show is a little bit about you know my career and vision, I'll, I'll show you how this connects. What am I doing in Saudi Arabia and Dubai right before the pandemic hit? I'm trying to launch the biggest immersive deal in history. And what happens, the pandemic hits. And at that time, all of the shows that were pitching, you say there's an immersive everything now, there's an immersive everything now. At that point in time, nobody knew about it and nobody particularly thought it was valuable. I was getting the licenses for, you know, everything from Van Gogh to Disney to Pink Floyd to the beat. No one, hey, you know. $10,000, $100,000, $10,000, $100,000, you can have it. Now, yeah, they're like a, this Van Gogh phenomenon for and the nursing like, thing has basically ruined everything. My plan was, again, two years ahead oh. of itself. And they didn't sign the deal. They didn't pay the money. They could have. They got cold feet and they backed out. And now, now they wish premium. they had it. And I, yeah, now everything's at a premium and there's an immersive exhibition on every freaking street corner. Um and that's both good and bad because the good ones will rise to the top and the bad ones will fall to the side. The consumer will be wary that not everything is uh, – and it's not pandemic anymore. There's more competition. There's all kinds of re- – it was perfect. Right. It was the right artist, perfect time, perfect place. And the way they got away with it is these immersive exhibitions were brilliant. They could be open 20 hours a day and pulse 100 people at a time through their exhibitions. And thus they could do right. the 2,000 people a day that was required to turn a profit and also obey by the COVID, dis- social distancing and COVID laws. So it was mm. freaking brilliant. It was right time, right place, perfect storm. And so the domes, which rely on 700 people at one time to make the shows profitable, were, were not the same as an exhibition that you can have 100 people every half hour pulsing through 15 mm. hours a day you can still do a couple thousand people a day. So it was a very strange phenomena that all, that all happened the way it did. And, um, again, it, it just kind of sets the context for why domes, what do they mean. So now the good news is those shows are okay, but they're not half as good as, as the same show done in a dome exhibition model with a starry night above your head as opposed to being projection maps on a boring wall and a boring floor. 
So, so, so right. now I'm in negotiation with all of the big immersive producers to convert their shows for domes. That's going to be much more yeah. exciting, much more. And most people say, why don't they do it in the dome? It's so much better than, this, than the projection map walls. Well, that's all they had at the time. And if people think projection map walls are cool, wait till you see the dome version. So that's where we sit today on the precipice of a transition from being open, being shut down, having opportunity come, and now we're reshaping opportunity again and going to produce these shows in the 360 VR immersive dome format. And then the other twist is the other phenomena is the online streaming, broadcasting, metaverse, and all that crap. We are now going to adapt the show so that not only can you experience it live, but if you're in – Philippines or Hong Kong or wherever, somewhere in America where you can't get to a city, you can watch the whole experience uh, online through the, our Metaverse portal. So we're going to adapt nice. all these shows to both be, both be live, be hybrid, live and te- technologically driven, and then be completely immersive Metaverse digital online events. And I think that's going to crack the, 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 uh, crack the egg open yet again and complete uh, the fully holistic experience where live becomes hybrid shows just become metaverse shows, something to that effect. Amazing. Let me ask you real quick. I just have a quick question because you, you said it very yeah. quickly, like when you were moving the concept uh, to Burning Man and what, are these blown up? Are these like a, a blow up dome or are these like an actual, you're building uh, a, like a brick and mortar dome um, because that, that involved, man. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so good question. So, yeah. Go ahead, Kara. No, and in trying to move it, if it, since it isn't, it isn't just a blow up dome. So, how are you moving these? Yeah, good question. That's that. Therein lies the secret sauce. So, all domes are not alike. So, be very careful. It's like, somebody, <laughs> so somebody says, "Well, how do you do it?" Well, I'll give an analogy. Someone say, "Well, okay, hey, I want to buy a dome and bring it to Burning Man." There's an analogy, right? Mm-hmm. Great. I right. want to buy a car and bring it to Burning Man. Okay. Mm-hmm. What kind of car? Do you want a Toyota or do you want an RV? Do you want a car to ever run again or do you want it to be destroyed? Do you want it to, you know, do you want, do you want white dust in it for the rest of its lifespan? Or, you know, it's like that kind of question. <laughs> There's so many different kinds mm-hmm. of domes and people say, well, I have a dome. I brought a dome to Burning Man. I'm like, okay, did it blow away? Did it did it crash? Did it pop? Did it burst? Did it blow over? Did it get destroyed or did it survive? And if it survived, right. can you ever use it again? And if you exactly. did survive, was it totally damaged? And then you have to repair it and send it back to the manufacturer and have every little gizmo cleaned and air vacuumed and brushed and dried. So there's a lot of ways to do it. We do it on a very high end and um, it is for not for uh, not for amateurs. You have to do it very carefully, or you will you will and can die because um, the mm. thing will blow over and kill people. So, yes, the question is this: We are both. We are mobile. We can set up temporarily. We could do a we could do a birthday party for you tomorrow, and then have the dome set up and out the next morning. Or we can do like nice. a Coachella model where, where we set up for two weekends. We do back to back Coachella, thousand person dome takes five days to set up, two and a half, three days to tear down, and we're gone after two weeks. Or we can set up like Wisdom where we've been there three years, and we hope to be there ten more. So it, we design for circumstance and the venue. And so the idea is that, yes, there are inflatable domes, but those will not survive a big Burning Man windstorm very well. 
So we use what's called geodesic right. frame dome technology because we can withstand the hurricane or a snowfall in, in Moscow or, or a windstorm in Dubai. Our domes can survive all of those. And as I like to tell prospective clients, if the dome's the problem, you've got a more serious problem than the dome. Mm-hmm. So if, if the dome's the problem, that means the rest of your event festival or town is probably in bad shape because everybody yeah, runs to the dome to survive. Yeah. And now, folks, a couple quick messages from some of our show sponsors. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the rest of the interview after these quick messages. Listen to this cool episode ad-free. If you're a VIP member, you can become one on my website, www.jamierocks.us, www. Dot J-A-M-I-E-R-O-X-X dot U-S. Metal Babe Mayhem is more than just an online store. It's a destination. MetalBabeMayhem.com carries over 150 rock and roll products, including clothing, jewelry, and accessories. Metal Babe Mayhem also offers shrine clothing and alchemy gothic jewelry. In addition, Metal Babe Mayhem founder Allison Metal Babe Cohen is a rock and roll journalist who supports local and national artists with rock and reviews, interviews, playlists, networking, and more. Metal Babe Mayhem is taking over the world one shirt at a time. My Love Shack Apothecary online shop has everything you need to build a special gift for yourself or someone who needs a little pampering. I hand make all of the products in small batches using only plant-based ingredients and therapeutic grade essential oils. Whether you choose one of my curated sets or want to build a custom gift set, My Love Shack Apothecary has everything you need to send a little sunshine to someone today. Please visit us online at www.loveshackapothecary.com. That's www.love. S-H-A-C-K-A-P-O-T-H-E-C-A-R-Y dot com. As well as online on Instagram and Facebook. Links are in our website. Support for this podcast comes from the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center. Ranked one of the top cancer centers in the nation for the last 27 years. The doctors at MD Anderson treat more rare cancers in a single day than many physicians see in a lifetime. And treatment plans are tailored to an individual patient's needs, allowing more comprehensive and thorough care. To become a patient, please visit makingcancerhistory.com. Aloha. If you have stress in your life or even anxiety and panic, I want to invite you to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast for a way out. The Anxiety Coaches Podcast is a relaxing and inspiring show, bringing you lifestyle changes to calm your nervous system and help you heal. Heal anxiety, panic, and PTSD for life. 
We bring you two episodes every week. There's no need to walk this path alone. Join us for a relaxing, informative, and inspiring time and start your journey out of anxiety panic. That's anxietycoachespodcast.com. Aloha. Gear, the online web shop of high-end luxury merchandise and products. All featuring original pop art paintings. From La Holla to Miami to London, www.merch.jamierocks.us. So, so, so what? You know, it's amazing. Bio, and your bio, you were, you had uh, the history of your, you know, experience with this immersive technology and stuff. I mean, was the dome something that was part of what you were educated about the immersive technology, or did you apply it separately? Yeah, good. Um, I didn't know that much about immersive technology. Nobody really did. It's come on so quickly and so fast. I was aware of the people the fact that people like domes to party in, dance in, they're great for workshops, great for speakers, great for yoga, good for DJs. I just didn't know that the projection mapping technology had accelerated so much to where you didn't have to just watch boring star shows, right? So that part was brought to me by my partners. They were experts in the technology and content. I was expert in the ingenuity and vision. So we put the two together and – uh, it's those kind of thing. Yeah, it's kind of like the Wright brothers. Like you couldn't have done it one without the other. You know, we we put our ideas together, we figured it out, and then we pioneered a whole new form of entertainment, which will be the the gold standard of modern entertainment. Um, everything is shifting to immersive, surround, 360. I don't know if you guys have heard of this project called the MSG Sphere in Las Vegas. Are you familiar with this project at all? I haven't heard. Yeah, of I've heard I mean, of I've been it. to that I, area I don't know 15. the details of it. Yeah, details are the guys who run Madison Square Garden and own the New York Knicks basketball team, their next okay. project is they're building an 18,000-person per- LED dome in the center of Las Vegas, right on the Strip. It, it looks like a giant wow. um, egg, and it holds 18,000 people. And wow. it is completely – it is LED, LED screen indoor, LED screen outdoor, So, and it's just an immense project. I've been told that they've totally lost the plot and don't know what they're doing, but that's rumor. Yeah, they do know what they're doing. They're, they've spent about a billion dollars, and they're going to figure it out one way or another. And they just announced that their opening, their opening residence is going to be U2, is going to do the residency inside oh, wow. this giant geodesic oh, wow. dome in Vegas in, in 2023. So, okay. you know, if you take that as a as a marker, there's no doubt that, we are on to something and Vegas can have their $18,000 billion dome, but every other city can have a ver- for a very humble couple million dollars. You can have a wisdom. Absolutely. You know, that, yeah. that that's kind of the idea and where the future is <laughs> headed towards. Well, so are you going to franchise it out or, um, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yes, that's the idea. South by Southwest. I was actually, uh, this past year, I was at a wisdom event and that was what oh, you I was there. curious about. You were there too, yeah. And and so uh, I was there. Didn't meet you yet at that time, but so the event, I, I, the the uh, 
the domes that are in Los Angeles are were the same domes that you had in Austin, Texas, correct? Not the same, but they were brothers and sisters. They were they're models. Yeah, they're version 1.0, version 2.0, okay. version 3.0. Yeah. So, so, so are you building them in other locations from scratch? Because I was wondering, are you tele- I mean, are you transporting them? Or are you rebuilding them? Or are you taking them apart and putting them back together? What are you yeah, doing? Yeah, a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. We build them at our manufacturing plants, whether they're in Mexico or China or Russia or Thailand. We depends on what type of dome, what the use is. Right. Highs are better in a certain kind of light, artistic mobile dome. The Russians are good at the heavy artillery, pardon the pun. Uh, the Chinese are good at cost-benefit analysis and getting things. So we, it kind of depends what the dome's for. And then we do everything from build them long-term. They're, you know, fairly permanent. They're like a, you know, like a venue. They should last 20 years. Um, right. Or wow. they can be up for, That's you know. That's a long time entertainment. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and what's neat about us is rather than have to spend ten or twenty million on building a venue, or a hundred million, or a billion, you can spend right. a couple million. You have your venue. We go in any empty lot, any empty parking lot, any any park, uh, desert. We don't care. Wherever there's a flat surface, you know, that's about you know hundred feet by hundred feet, we can put up our dome. And if you don't like it, you can move it. So I kind of compare it. You know, a a terrestrial comparison might be a mobile home, mobile home park. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then, then a a technological component compare Uber to yellow cab taxi. We're Uber, right? right. We can move. We yeah, can absolutely. shift. We can go. If you want to build a fifty million dollar venue, go ahead. But why would you? When you can build it for five million, I can build it the same thing, and you can move it. If and take on all happen. that debt service and whatnot. You got this, man. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, every Indian casino in the country is going to be knocking at your door. I predict. You know. So you would just, you would think so. You know, and well, when they when they find out about it, you know, of course, the longer they wait, the more the price goes up. Like anything. the only problem we, we have a, uh, is that. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say we we had a, a local casino here in uh, Fort Lauderdale just put up a big guitar building, and I don't know how much they spent on it. It's got to be you know South Florida. It's giant, I'm sure it's very expensive, but it's a big guitar. And that's their hotel. It's all shaped like a big guitar. You know, we want to be hard rock. We're, we're you know, that's what we, what we do. And they do projections. They do the old projections on the, and it looks cool. You know, it looks really cool when they do it. It ain't what you're doing. You're not inside the guitar, you know, with all this crazy stuff. And a dome type. The cool thing with the dome is it, it, it has that infinity factor where you're like, you know, in a whole new world. It's, I'm excited about this, man. If you were a horse, I'd bet on you. I'm telling you right now. Yeah, you <laughs> should. You should bet on it. We're, bet, we're bankable. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Now, now the talent that you have had in the past that that were like the uh, the light shows. Um, some of the band players from from Pink Floyd. I remember they were playing there for quite a while. There was like a stint where. Uh, in Los Angeles here. I, I don't know about, like, That's all the right. places where you can. So what is your upcoming talent going to be like? What do you have in the plans for, you know, for anybody listening that would possibly either living in Los Angeles or, or planning to yeah. visit L.A.? What, what can they expect from what you're going to be having in your home base at the Wisdom downtown Los Angeles? Yeah, great. We're taking a little renovation, remodeling, and permit break. Our, our success has brought the city to our doorstep. So they want us to go from an art exhibition and a temporary permit to a long-running venue with a five-year permit. So 
So we have to do mm. some serious work. So we have to fill in all the potholes. Basically, we took an empty, crack-infested, shitty parking lot in downtown LA and turned it into a beautiful venue. In so doing, right. there's still some there's still some blemishes. You know, we got to fix the fencing, fill the pothole, resurface the street, put in the ADA stuff, get proper toilets, get drinking fountains, all the um, improve the lighting. Yeah, all that pain in the ass shit. Good news is that we passed the you know we passed the um, test. They like us. They want us to stay. Our landlord extended our lease for five years. The city we're we're now becoming a fixture of the cultural landscape of the city. So it's good news, bad news. Nice. We've got to do it, it's pain, but it's also, if we didn't have to do it, we'd be leaving. So it's good that we have to do it. But we're also going to, you know, we've got Burning Man coming up, and everybody's heading for the hills for, you know, basically 10 days. So basically we're going to take right. September to remodel, relaunch, and then in October we're going to go back to our full schedule of shows. Uh, we're going to launch with a big uh, psychedelic wellness festival called Psychedelics Today. That'll be launching October <laughs> the 19th. And we are basically going to embrace the legal wellness side of psychedelia. So we will be promoting through uh, channels of Psychedelics Today the use of uh, therapeutic psychedelics, everything from mushrooms, ketamine, LSD, for the health and care and wellness and well-being of society, which is the road it was on 50 years ago until Richard Nixon came along and shut that down. Uh, we are helping to reinvigorate that, that industry because we believe in it and think it's time has come and there's a big movement now to legally free the shroom, free, free the acid <laughs> for a therapeutic and wellness trauma care, uh, stress, anxiety, depression. It's been well proven <laughs> for over 50 years now that these substances are very useful for that. So we're going to push for the legalization and intelligent use of psychedelics. And we are having uh, everyone from a, Really, really cool psychedelic trance band called the Desert Dwellers perform. We're doing our Beatles Magical Mystery show, Psychedelic Beatles show with a live band. We're doing a tribute to the Grateful Dead. And we're doing a Burning Man nice. EDM dance show with some uh, cool cool Burning Man DJs. Uh, David Starfire, Suhan, Antennae, Blue Tech, all these kind of Burning Man, kind of legendary Burning Man acts are going to play. So we're going to do the history of psychedelic music weekend. And then we have Daft Punk, our Daft Punk show coming back, which just played last week. That show has sold uh, eight straight sellouts. We've done, uh, we've done three different weekends, eight straight sellouts of Daft Punk. It's a tribute to the great, you know, pioneers of dance, trance, EDM music, Daft Punk. And we do that live at the giant pyramid inside the dome. That's going to happen in the mid-November. And then we'll be sprinkling a few other, some of our, our great, a Pink Floyd show will return and Jimi Hendrix tributes and our sound healings and ganja festivals on the weekend with Secret Sesh LA. They do amazing uh, ganja exhibitions on the weekend sometimes. And we have our food and culinary exhibits and, you know, all the good stuff that makes for a great venue. That's amazing. Well, you know, you know every yeah. city, I'll tell you, in your business plan, and this is just, I'm, I'm just a painter, you know, with a podcast. I'm saying every city I know has a crack-infested, shitty uh, parking lot that can be put to better use. Every city, man. You could do this everywhere. Everyone. It's amazing. Amazing. Oh, my God. You're not redoing a building. You're not. No, it's cool, and it's new, and it's fresh. I love it. I love it. I absolutely. Yeah, I, I, 
I have the chance to check it out. And it's, uh, I had been down there previously for some underground events that uh, when there was a little down period before they cracked down on you guys recently <laughs> where they were having some local DJs doing events and stuff. And, uh, and now, now that everything's getting back in the swing, all the mandates are kind of lifted and gone and things like that. It's, it's pretty much fully operational. And now you guys just got to take care of your codes, get up the codes or whatever. And, um, you can get back in business. Right. (laughs) Yep. That's it. That's what we're looking for. And with the grace of God and a little help from, um, the city council and all that, hopefully they'll cooperate, not make it too difficult on us because we, did survive the pandemic and bring more than 40 jobs back to Wisdom in LA. So I really don't think they want to put us out of business. That would be very stupid. So uh, we'll see what happens. And so far, so good. We've, you know, we, we have friendly relations with the city and we want to keep it that way. And we really appreciate, as Ashley Mary Garcetti, who opened the door for us to come in. Our very first gig was uh, the Future of Cities Conference hosted by Mary Garcetti and Pink Floyd was the opening act. Uh, so we're hoping that we're hoping that the new uh, the new regime, yeah, we're hoping that the new regime won't forget about us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. So, so, so tell everybody where they can get tickets and things like that, so that we can, yeah, you know, we want everybody to know how they or or where where you are going to be in upcoming cities and and where what like it's not just Los Angeles. Besides Burning Man, people. That yeah, we're going. Um, yeah, so we're in Philadelphia now. That was our first big gig at a South by Southwest conference. We got we opened in Philadelphia. That's mm-hmm. running for another week or two. Then we shut down Philadelphia, open at Burning Man, and then we um, do Burning Man for the week. And then we are negotiating with uh, God everywhere from Austin, Texas, San Francisco. Looks like a like I'm I'm from the Bay Area, or I mean, I'm from LA, lived in the Bay Area twenty years, so. I'm really excited to open our shows. If it does, if those if that lineup does well in LA, it'll it'll be great in San Francisco. Um, so I'm hoping to open in San Francisco either end of the year or beginning of next year. And then we're looking at all the obvious places: Denver, Miami, New York, Austin, Chicago. Those are all good candidates. And what's great about us is compared to other immersive experiences, we control our own destiny. Just give me an empty lot, and we don't need to right. compete for the highest rent place at the highest foot traffic place. In the city, with the, with the dome park, we control our destiny. We can open on a lot, and people can come see the exhibitions, and we don't have to deal with, you know, landlords and what have you. We just do our own thing. Amazing. Amazing. Well, that's fantastic. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm blown away, not only with the execution, just the concept. Oh, my gosh. Um, it's quite a concept, and it, it um, it's, you know, some enhanced substances and 15 Burning Mans will do that to you. <laughs> yeah, I'll leave it at that. If you sit out there to play, like, what am I going to do with my life? How do you how do you top that, you know, or how did I do that? You know, I, I rather than sit there and ponder it, I figured out we might as well do something about it. So uh, right, that's sort right. of where well, that's sort of where it all came in. Do things and oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, we have links. We have links, yeah, right? ladies and gentlemen. We have links. Um, to the elevationxr.com, also wisdomla.com, and um, uh, Sean's Facebook and Instagram as well. We uh, These links also stay active. So if you're in the future, hello from the past, um, and you're listening to this on Spotify or Pandora, whatever, iHeartRadio, um, just click on the links and you get there, man. You get there mm-hmm. and um, 
this is the party to be at. I'm telling you, um, you know, this, this, I, I saw the video. I saw the videos and the pictures that Miss Monday posted. And I'm like, God damn, I need to be there. Are you kidding me? It, it, yeah, you do. It reminded me, you know, Sean, back in the day, and Miss Monday will attest to this, you know, we were both cutting yeah. our teeth in Detroit when the techno scene started. We used to go to clubs, oh, yeah. and, you know, we got a police light, and we thought, oh, well, this is high-tech shit, man. The, the club is awesome. Now. You know, we got a disco ball. Wow. Now look at this. You know, you're inside a whole universe. It's, it's like a holodeck on Star Trek. It's amazing. Yeah, it, it kind of is. Actually, we have a version of the holodeck where you're looking up and looking down and walking out across a, a glass, plexiglass bridge, and you can see your life in heaven and hell before your eyes. We're working on that plan oh now. God. Man. That's, that's, that's entertainment. You can't get that's that. That's entertainment. It, yeah, it, you actually can, you know, and I'll tell you why. Because what's really cool is that beyond entertaining people, we, we actually really do change lives and make for the better. We are, we are transformational experience and not to, not to belittle what you said. I don't mean that, but we're, if it was just entertainment, there's better people to do and go entertain people, you know, but if you want to transform people and take them to the next level, both through conscious awareness and appreciation for art and appreciation for how music art and experience can raise your conscious levels. That's what we're good at. We're, we're there to, we're not just there to entertain. We're there to, you know, educate, transform, and take people to a higher level. And if, if it ain't, if it isn't that, I, I can't do it. You know, like, like, so I'm not like hip hop in a dome. I could give a crap about, you know, porn dome, <laughs> not my cup of tea, you know, someone else will do that. They'll make billions and that's fine. Um, I'm not interested in those kind of things. I'm really interested in the elevation of consciousness. And that's why my company's called elevation. You know, that's what we do. So if it doesn't elevate, you know, there's enough crap in the world right now that 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 takes you down, and you can get that on. You know, go flip on the TV and find all kinds of crap. Um, if, 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 I always say this: if you come to the dome, you don't like it, we'll give you your money back first and foremost. And secondly, if you're not leaving with a, with a smile on your face, going, "Oh, holy shit, that's amazing," or or sitting down contemplating your place in the universe after seeing the show, uh, then then we didn't do it. You know, then you know that's fine. I'll here take your money back happy for you you know no problem i get very few offers for money back right and and that's right. maybe they didn't even like the dj they may hey you know what the music wasn't my thing but my god i saw what i saw what's possible and most importantly you got to keep the human connection and all this other crap goggles glasses ai wearables online this streaming that that's all fine but it means nothing if people aren't laughing crying together and cheering and shouting as right. humans and what the hell does all this stuff mean? You end up like robots, you know, and this AI Elon Musk crap, I have no interest in, you know, and, you know, and, you know, nothing against Elon, whatever. He actually loves our domes, by the way, he's been in them, but um, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I don't need to have AI robots or driving fucking cars. Like whose idea is it to have a car that drives you around? <laughs> Um, you know, you know, what they can have, you can have an automated ass wiping machine soon or whatever. You know? <laughs> right. Don't, don't wipe your ass. We'll do it for you. You know, it's like, <laughs> I, I don't need, I don't need a machine to drive me or turn my lights on or whatever. I, I, I can do it myself. Thank you very much. I'll drive. Yeah. It'll be fine. It's been fine. <laughs> It'll be fine. 
You know, I survived without a cell phone. I guess we could survive without one again today if we had to, you know. So, but, but you can't survive without community and, and friends and rocking it out in a, in a, together. There's no point, you know. So that's what I'm trying to keep happening. Thank you for that's creating amazing. this experience for everybody. That's such a great yeah. thing to bring, bring to, to people's lives, enhancing their lives. I mean, my friend and I, when we left, uh, your with when you brought us down for the Daft Punk, when we left it, we were just in awe. Like, wow, I can't believe that just happened. This was amazing. Good. I'm glad to hear. We're going to keep on doing that. And thanks for having me on your show. And if there's anybody interested, you can go to um, elevationxr.com. That's my company site. And you can see a list of all the cool things we're doing and what we aspire to do. So, ElevationXR.com is a good source of seeing the future, what's gonna, nice. what is and going to be happening. All right. Perfect. Amazing. Thank you so, Thank much, you so much. Yeah. Tell us about, tell us about um, this week's uh, Fun Day House Mix that we're going to be playing our two here. So this is a, a just a, a fun. Uh, it's a day party house mix I did uh, for. It was a, a brunch that I had uh, started to do at a spot downtown Los Angeles. And uh, so it's more like a brunch day, uh, day party house mix. But the new venue I'm playing at at Lulu's is actually, they're, they're kind of more into the whole um, funky uh, disco house stuff. So it even would be a- appropriate to play like at the location I'm doing now in Santa Monica too. So, but yeah, this is just nice. a good fun day party. Route. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Well, here it is, everybody. Without further ado, uh, this month, August 2022, 20, uh, DJ Miss Monday's Fun Day House Mix. And then it's playing for the next hour. Enjoy. Thank you. 
Yeah. 
and it goes like this. Nice. 
Talk Radio.